This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, brought to you with support from our pals at Owner's Box with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports. And I'm having a ball with that. We'll get into that in a little bit. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follower, AJ Scholes24, and back in his co-host chair from beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. I love saying that, AJ. I hope you're, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying life over there. We are five weeks into our commuted schedule, and we saw uh, our first somewhat significant trade as Ottawa reacquired Ryan Zingle in exchange for Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenyuk, who was transferred on paper at least to Carolina, but then the Canes turned around and they sent Galchenyuk to Toronto for a couple of farm hands here, AJ. So uh, I, I guess we got to get your thoughts. You saw Galchenyuk for a little while in Pittsburgh. He was a former number three overall draft pick by Montreal a number of years ago and had has a couple of 30-goal seasons, a couple of 19-goal seasons on his resume. But in the last couple of years, uh, his skill set seems to have gone MIA. Yeah, I really, you know, I think ever since he left Arizona, um, he just hasn't had something. I'm, I'm not totally sure what that, that something is. Um, by all accounts, everything I've, I've read and, and seen about uh, his time in Pittsburgh, one of the hardest working guys on the ice, did everything he could, um, but just having trouble putting the puck in the net. You know, you look uh, in, in 2019, had uh, five goals uh, in 45 games with the Penguins, followed that up with three goals uh, with, with Minnesota in 14 games. So really didn't do much there. And then just one goal in eight games in Ottawa. And look, this is, this is a bad Ottawa team. And, and we can talk about the disaster that happened last night, Paul. But <laughs> in general, this is a bad Ottawa team. And, and he really struggled to, to crack the lineup for them. So uh, as far as, you know, the, the couple of trades here, look, I think Ottawa did a, a good piece of business there in, in getting Ryan Zingle back. Uh, I think he'll be a great addition to their team. They gave up a guy that they basically just bought the contract of in, in Cedric Paquette and a guy who wasn't playing in Alex Galchenyuk. So I think that was a good deal for Ottawa. Um, 
Carolina, you know, he probably wasn't going to crack the lineup there either. So he gets, I know it's, you know, kind of minor depth guys that he got back from Toronto, but I think that's good value for a player that, you know, never really suited up for you. So basically they turned Ryan Zingle into Cedric Paquette and a, in a pair of, you know, AHL kind of depth guys. That's I think that's a good move for Carolina too. The one team that makes no sense to me in all this, and maybe you can help me understand Paul is, you know, the, the Toronto acquisition, I would say the only thing that, you know, helps them out is the fact that he already cleared waivers. Um, so they can stick them on the taxi squad right away or, or even down in the minors um, without having to, you know, put them on waivers again. But uh, maybe you can explain to me, Paul, why, why Toronto wanted Alex Galchenyuk. Well, I'll take a shot at this. They're, they're banking on the pedigree of this draft status and the early part of his career, and they think they have a very good skill development department uh, as a part of the club's uh, processes here on the management side. So they're hoping that they can take a look at him and see if they can revive that aspect. It's it's a low-cost issue for them because, as you noted, they gave away a couple of farmhands. Korshkov was doing well in the KHL last season, and he started off decently this year. But, again, a very low-level depth forward for the Leafs. And uh, the other fellow was a was a depth defenseman, uh, so he's he's going to be plying his trade in in the uh, Leafs farm system with the Marlies. So really, another low cost issue for the Leafs. He costs a million dollars in terms of the salary cap issue that uh, that the Leafs have this year, and they still have a little bit of extra space there. So I don't think the Leafs are done in that regard, and uh, they're looking to see who wants to emerge to grab one of the bottom six forward roles. That, that's they've got a luxury of a rotating guys in and out every game and uh, they're motivated to to stick with the roster and you saw Travis Boyd last night score a goal he's making a strong case for regular employment in that capacity so uh, it's a little competition that the Leafs are engendering and and Galchenyuk is now a part of that and we'll see it's like a lottery ticket let's see if they get anything out of it AJ so uh, with that we're going to jump into the regular portion of our show but before we get into our analysis of the 31 teams AJ our friends at owner's box deserve a mention and you've been doing such a great job so take it away buddy Hey, NHL fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They're the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. Best part about weekly fantasy sports is there's no long-term commitment. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh uh, and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves and engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you have what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus 
and join the new wave of fantasy sports. And AJ, you're a part of this new wave with the daily hits that you're doing at Rotowire to give people DFS tips. And we're going to do our usual function in that regard with our picks for FanDuel and DraftKings right at the end of today's episode. But I wanted to give you a nod and remind our listeners that they can look at this episode and see us live on, on uh, in the way we broadcast on YouTube at Rotowire Hockey, and they get your daily hits in that in that forum as well. And AJ, it's your turn to lead off with our rotation of going through the thirty-one teams. So tell me what's happening in Anaheim, buddy. Yeah, I mean from the from the injury front, there's not a lot of change, not a lot of difference there. Um, you know, they've had um, pretty healthy overall. Sonny Milano, J- uh, Josh Manson, Brendan Cooley, all unavailable to them. Uh, John Gibson did briefly deal with, with a bit of a, a blip there, but um, didn't really miss any significant time. Team went one and one last year, uh, last week rather. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Isaac Lundstrom is maybe the one player to kind of take a look at. He had goals in back-to-back games uh, during the week. Now I would caution, obviously uh, those were his first two goals of the season. So it might be a little bit early to jump on that train. Um, but you know, has had uh, over that stretch kind of the four games uh, is averaging looks about two and a half shots per game. So that's certainly decent and and, uh, a a good starting point for him. If you're in a deeper format, maybe take a look. If you're in, you know, maybe a more shallow format, uh, probably a little bit too soon to jump on him but just a player to monitor for you. Yeah, and the best news out of that club is Max Comtois. He notched his seventh goal of the season in a 3-2 loss last night, AJ. So the youngster is finding his way into the lineup on a regular basis and making a good case for top six employment with that the fact that he's leading the club in goal scoring so far this year. So that's a significant step for a guy who has a history with the Canadian junior program. Over in Arizona, this team completed a seven-game regular season series against St. Louis that was uninterrupted with play against any other team. A rarity. I don't think I've ever seen that in the NHL going back even to the sixth, uh, history of the sixth-team NHL when I was a wee gaffer. So, uh, AJ, that was a curious bit of scheduling. They, they did win four of the seven games against St. Louis, culminating in a one nothing shutout win on Monday. Uh, Darcy Kemper registering the 24-save shutout there. In terms of other players, uh, Jay Chikorin picked up three assists. This guy's emerging as a, as a real force on the back end with the Coyotes. They already have a couple other guys that handle the offensive load, so that's a real plus for them in, in uh, every matchup that they have. They can put three capable offensive defensemen in the lineup. Uh, Connor Garland, two goals. Uh, uh, added on to his totals he's emerging as a real key offensive piece here and just continues to to run along Drake Kajula on the downside is on the IR with a lower body injury that's a that's a bit of a problem there because he's a dependable veteran guy that they lean on uh, particularly in the offensive side of the game a uh, fellow that we're both familiar with uh, Phil Kessel only seven shots on goal in his last five games played AJ with one assist and his minutes are down to about 15 and a half per game in, thir- in a third line role uh, and a minus eight uh, there's eight games left on a sorry there's eight games left on an 11 game homestand for this club another bit of curious scheduling for the team in the desert uh, other bit of good news Barrett Hayton has points in his last two games and might might you consider moving him ahead of Broussard on the depth chart there Broussard for his part struggling again uh, pointless in his last six games played in that uh, third line center role I feel like Derek Broussard and like Alex Galchenyuk are kind of in the same boat. Like Great they comparison. were doing really well. Yeah. They end up in Pittsburgh. 
they don't do great in Pittsburgh and then the rest of their career kind of flames out, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a guy who's struggled the last, the last couple of years, uh, in Boston, things continue to roll on as you would expect. And guys like Brad Marchand, two goals and one assist, Patrice Bergeron, one goal and two assists, David Pasternak. Maybe that's the only surprise. No goals last week, just a mere two assists in three games. So, uh, you know, things are, are pretty much working for them. Uh, both goalies, uh, split the workload. The one kind of weird thing we saw out of Boston and, you know, weird for them in what's already a weird season is Tuka started three games in a row. Um, usually they've been splitting them back and forth. Uh, that doesn't mean there was anything wrong with Yaroslav Halak in his one game this last week. He pitched a shutout. So uh, certainly everything coming up roses for them. You know, they've had some lingering injury issues with Matt Krasalczyk. Uh, and trying to get him fully fit and available, but it doesn't seem to really be impacting them in terms of, of winning games and, and producing offensively. Yeah, well, Matt Grizzlick is one of the guys they count on for that offensive contribution, but he's turning into a poor man's Tory Krug. He just can't stay healthy, uh, and when he's out of the lineup, they suffer for that because they haven't got too much offense from the back end other than Charlie McCoy, who's McAvoy, who's having a very nice season for them. But uh, I have to look at the rest of the depth chart and say I can't identify anybody else that I would pick here in the DFS from the back end. And maybe other than the top three forwards, I, I can't see who do I pick other than Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak. Uh, curious note that uh, you you guys at Rotowire's headquarters, you've got Pasternak listed now playing uh, with David Krejci on a second line, along with Nick Ritchie, who's had a nice start to the season. That's a key bit of information for our DFS the listeners. And uh, to note that Jake DeBrusque, who has been a top six winger on this club, but more relegated into a second line role, has moved up to the top line. They're just trying to fed the wealth because if you can ever shut down that top Bruins line, which is a challenge every night, you got a good chance to play this team. So that's a, that's something worth noting that caught my eye this morning, AJ. In terms of the next club up, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. They finally got to play their first game in February last night. Seven guys coming out of the COVID protocol this week, and Sam Reinhardt also returns from his upper body injury, so it seems that they'll have all hands on deck pretty soon. The goalies have split the load for the early part of the season, but Linus Allmark has been significantly better than Carter Hutton so far. If you're leaning in one direction or looking for a goalie who's going to get more work there, I would go with Allmark. New centers that they added at the beginning of the season, Eric Stahl and Cody Eakin, both veterans, have underwhelmed uh, so far, AJ. Stahl with five points, Cody Eakin with only one. That's disappointing production. They'd like to develop those guys, uh, see those guys develop into more point-producing centers uh, in line with their career norms to help this offense chug along. But it seems like if you shut down Eichel, you're going to shut down the Sabres. Well, and it's interesting to note, you know, last night they went in with a, a bit of an underwhelmed uh, defensive group. You know, they didn't have Ristolainen, Montour, or McCabe, all of whom are, you know, for sure top six, if not top four guys for them. Um, but McCabe and Montour were game time decisions heading into that one. So they should be back sooner rather than later. Uh, in Carolina, we mentioned, you know, Cedric Paquette uh, was the acquisition there for, for Dezingle. He comes in. Uh, plays, you know, a pretty decent game for them last night when you consider what they want him for. Uh, fourth line roll, dished out five hits uh, last night. And so, you know, that's that's about what you're asking for when you bring in a guy like Cedric Paquette uh, for a bottom six role here. I would expect you'll see, you know, uh, more of that. I, I wouldn't expect a lot of scoring out of him. I don't project him to move into a top six unless there's injuries 
Um, but they, you know, they had a good week in terms of production. Several guys uh, over the you know course of the week putting up some pretty big numbers. Brock McGinn, four goals in four games. Jordan Stahl, four goals in four games. Tara Vinen, five points uh, along that stretch. And most of that, uh, you know, ex- with the exception of Stahl, most of that is coming uh, with the, the, the five-on-five play. You know, all of Brock McGinn's points are five-on-five. Stahl had three of his five points come with the man advantage. So um, decent production in all levels of the game. I think this is a dangerous team that just added a, a new element in, in, the ter- in, you know, in the way of Cedric Paquette. Yeah, and one other thing there in terms of the lineup again that uh, Rotowire shows, uh, Andrei Svechnikov looks like he's been shuffled down to a third-line left-wing situation alongside Jordan Stahl and Warren Fogle. That's an attempt to stretch this roster in terms of the depth on offense because otherwise Svechnikov and Aho and Taravain, and that's pretty much all your offensive eggs in one basket as well. Another situation there. I'm kind of seeing, looking forward to seeing if Trocek can get anything out of Nino Niederreiter. He's a, a rich man's version of, Ale, uh, of Galchenyuk, I'll say. This guy's got much more skill and seems like more of a will to play but just hasn't put it together like I think he will and this is a really good situation for him to avoid uh, uh, the opponent's top checking and play with a, a guy who really can dish the puck in throw check so keep an eye on Nieder Rider's production going forward is my suggestion to our listeners. Uh, up next, we talk about the Calgary Flames. They went 2-1 and one last week. Uh, Jacob Markstrom receding for both wins there. What a free agent signing this guy was. I think the best one in the North Division, I would have to say. AJ really solidifying the Calgary net mining situation and uh, penalizing Vancouver. Uh, it was addition by subtraction in this division when you think about what he means to both clubs. Uh, and, and no wonder Calgary's off to a, de- a better start than the Canucks, in my opinion. In terms of other players that are uh, doing some things offensively, uh, Andrew Mangiapane, uh, two goals uh, to add to his totals. He's fluctuated up in the top six uh, on the right side and, and down in the right wing three role, which is where he is right now. So keep an eye on his movement. He gets some looks on the power play as well. I think a useful player in the, in the Calgary depth chart could be a cheap DFS option in the right matchup. Michael Backlund at center on the third line is listed as day-to-day with a lower body injury. Keep an eye on that situation because he, too, has moved up and down the roster. He's played some uh, second-line center in in the last little while as well for this club. Byron Fraze is likely his replacement in any case. Milan Lucic has uh, tallied more points than, than we're used to seeing out of him in the last couple of years, but still nowhere near worth the 5.25 cap hit through next season. So uh, uh, judge him accordingly. Six points in 14 games played. Uh, is the ledger so far this season on the back end Noah Hannafin was fifth over overall draft pick in his draft class I remember he was head and shoulders the top defenseman in that group at least on paper but he's not found found his offensive game in the NHL still he and Chris Danib have uh, have really helped Mark Giordano to give this group a solid core on the back end and really with an eye toward a defensive uh, acumen the the veterans uh, certainly sort of solidify that group but uh, again not a very good DFS value play in my mind, Hannafin at this stage. Yeah, I agree with that. And and one kind of note on Backlund, you know, he was a game time call yesterday, obviously didn't get into the game, but that has to have you considering him being, you know, near returning. And so perhaps we will get him back sooner rather than later. Uh, in Chicago, the story uh, continues to be Kevin Lakenin, who had another decent week, went two and one in three outings with a 0.917 save percentage. Meanwhile, Malcolm Subban uh, had a, a decent uh, showing himself in his one game, uh, got a win there, 0.931 save percentage in, in that contest. And so really 
the Blackhawks are are rolling right now. I mean, they're they're a much better team than I think we expected, and and that's really a surprise when you consider they don't have Jonathan Taves, they don't have Kirby Doc, they don't have Alex Nylander. Uh, they are probably going to be without Andrew Shaw after he sustained another concussion. I, I, you have to wonder if that's a career ender for him. And on the back end, no Brent Seabrook. Yet somehow this team continues to win, and a lot of that is due to you know the kind of rookie phenom, uh, if you will, Kevin Lakin and really stepping in to that role. And I would expect him to continue to see a heavy workload uh, into the rest of the season here. Well, we're seeing another youngster get a heavy workload and that's P.S. Sutter. He's playing first line minutes for the Hawks at center three points in his last four games. And really a surprise uh, entrant into the rookie of the year race. He's among the top scorers among first year players there. And Patrick Kane on, on the right side, certainly having a hand in that success. And even on the second line, they're introducing Brandon Hagel. He's got two points in his last four games. So a couple of Raw rookies are really contributing here. And then you can add Philip Koroshev on the third line, another youngster, fresh-faced kid who is, is chipping in offense. So they're retooling on the fly offensively. If they can have the same success with well, the defensive makeover, they're going to make some noise in this division. I, I didn't think they'd have a sniff of a playoff spot. But uh, early early success by some of these youngsters, including Lankanen, of course, who's carrying the flag for that group, uh, that they, they might make Chicago a relevant team uh, a lot longer than we figured this season AJ. Up next we're going to talk about uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets of course Patrick Liney's addition to the club is a top bit of news most recently. Um, Interesting for me that Cam Atkinson came to the defense of his coach uh, who Tortorella has been really feeling some barbs about the way he he handles some of these players in controversial situations like Liney and Dubois but Atkinson said look I've played for this guy a lot longer than those guys and all he wants is an honest effort and Atkinson's delivering that three goals and four assists last week. Columbus went 2-0-1. Jack Roslovic really fitting in like a glove. Nine points in nine games played before last night's action. Uh, Seth Jones finding, uh, finding his offensive game a little bit more than he was earlier in the season, chipping in with three assists. Even Kevin Stenland has been a solid contributor with five points in his last five games, but the hope there is, can this guy stay healthy? He's been in and out of the lineup a little too much for my liking in, in season-long play anyway for Dia, for. Uh, fantasy owners. Eunice Corpusalo has struggled so far this season, folks, and it might be time to let Elvis Merz Lincolns have a string of games to see if he can continue his solid start by comparison. He's got a 276 goals against and a 913 save percentage in six starts. I'm surprised at this team's defensive struggles because they're more reflected in Corpusalo's numbers, which are well north of three per game, and they're giving up a lot of, a lot of shots on goal, a lot more than I'm used to seeing out of this club. Yeah, I would definitely agree there. Uh, I, you have to attribute some of that to not having Zach Wierenski. He was out with a thigh injury, uh, came back for one game, and, and then was out again uh, most recently. So, it, you know, it's definitely a, a concern there. And the problem is they haven't had Merz Lickens to really be a, an option. He, he was banged up for a little bit there, um, came in in a relief uh, appearance last night, uh, didn't really perform well in that outing, but you know, it's hard to blame a guy when you come into a, a contest cold like that. And so I agree. I think they need to give him a look. And, you know, one concerning thing for me is the fact that the line A and Roslavic additions have not really in any way helped Max Dome. You know, I, I thought maybe some other guys maybe take the pressure off a little bit, especially when you consider on the power play, you know, Dome might have some more space as, as they try and, uh, you know, shade over to line A side with that wicked shot, but he's got 
no goals in his last four games, just one assist despite logging, you know, over two minutes a night on the power play. Uh, in fact, in two of those games, he didn't even record a shot. So uh, there's definitely a concern there with Max Siome's production. I'll talk briefly about Colorado, but not much to discuss here. They only played one game last week and they didn't score any points in that game. They got shut out one, nothing, uh, you know, by, uh, by the golden Knights. So, I mean, I would say a, a pretty strong outing from uh, Philip Grubauer. You know, he only gave up one goal on 24 shots. And when you've got guys like McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen in front of you, you would certainly expect a, a one-goal outing would be enough to get you a win. Um, so, I, obviously, Landeskog was out as well. So, he, he missed that game. But um, they still have no lack of talent. And, and that's really a disappointing uh, contest. And they were really stymied by by Mark Andre Fleury in that one. Yeah, they've got a few guys on the COVID list that are out of the lineup, including Landeskog. But they're going to be back in place by the time they play the games in in Lake Tahoe. Looking forward to that situation, AJ, an NHL showcase that is one of the highlights of this year's schedule. In terms of the Dallas Stars, they had a three-game uh, schedule last week. Uh, they probably would have liked to have done better than they did. One t- one loss and two overtime losses on, in the three games. Joe Pavelski is writing a, a great story here, though, and, and I, I'll, I'll beat you to the punch here, AJ, because I know you're a big fan of this guy being a local sort. 17 points in his 12 games played. He's really wound back the clock. Two, two of those goals came last week uh, as this guy's off to a great, great start and fantastic deal. DFS value play, I'll say, uh, night in, night out so far this season. Rupe Hintz uh, adding his two goals and one assist. Jason Robertson chipped, chipped in with a goal and three helpers. He has a role as a left winger on the second line right now. That's a uh, step up in class, and that's mostly due to the fact that uh, Alexander Radulov is on the IR with a lower body injury, but he sh- should be able to come off soon, we think. Joel Kivaranta moves up into the right wing role on the top line uh, as well. Uh, he has two points in four games played so far this season so keep an eye on him could be a real cheap dfs value play at least in the near term the trouble here is defensively they are not as as solid as they were last year it's best reflected in uh, Kudobin's struggles of late he's allowed 14 15 goals in his last four games started uh, on the back end though some positive news John Klingberg has turned up his offensive game to remind us that he was one of the, the best scoring defensemen in hockey not so long ago he's up to 12 points in 12 games played so far this season it's the best I've seen out of him in a few years AJ absolutely I think you know obviously you got to watch the the Rupe Hint situation and, and see if he'll be ready to play um you know, uh, here, it does look like it's trending in that direction, but obviously we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see after that game was called off last night, they were supposed to play last night. He was a game time call. Um, but due to weather, uh, it's nice to see a game canceled for something as simple as weather, Paul, instead of all the other cancellations we've had. But, um, I would imagine if he was a game time call for last night, as, as soon as they get back on the ice, he should be good and ready to go there uh, in Detroit. Uh, one kind of surprising development, at least over their, their last couple of games here has uh, been uh, more Thomas Grice. than I think I would have expected you look at, you know, their last four games, Grice got the start in three of them. Uh, didn't really perform well in those three Oh, two and one, a point eight, eight, four save percentage, Jonathan Bernier uh, somewhat better at point nine, three, one. He did get a win in that contest. So, you have to wonder if they're going to maybe, uh, you know, try and even out the starts here a little bit. I, I, I admit to being a little surprised that they've been 
giving such a heavy workload to, to Grice here. I know, I know uh, Bernier was, was injured for a little bit of that, but um, definitely surprising to me in terms of offensive production. The one guy really lacking for them right now is Dylan Larkin, just one assist in his last four. Bobby Ryan is in the same boat. Uh, they are getting some, uh, a little bit of something out of Robbie Fabry, two goals and one assist over that stretch. And, and Luke Glendening, one goal and two assists. But let me tell you, if Luke Glendening is your, you know, tied for your leading scorer uh, in the last couple of games here, that's not a good thing for you. Um, <laughs> a, a fine player, but I mean, he's not a stud. You need Larkin, Ryan, Philip Zadina has one goal in those four games. I mean, these are the guys you expect to produce if this team's going to eventually, I'm not saying they're a playoff team yet, but eventually we want to see some progress, right? If you're a Red Wings fan and it's really not there right now. Absolutely. Well, they are who we thought they were. They're not a top team in the <laughs> league, AJ, if I can borrow from a famous football coach's clip there. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers went 3-0 last week. Mike Smith was the talk. Smith was the talk of the town with two game starts and two wins and only one goal against stopping 66 out of 67 shots. That was good news until last night when he gave up a four spot very early on and was pulled in a shootout loss against Winnipeg. Winnipeg was six to five. They didn't go to overtime, but lots of goals there. That's what I mean. And uh, Archibald and Kyra chipping in some secondary scoring here with three points apiece is a bit of a diversion from the usual notes about Dreisaitl and McDavid. On the back end, Tyson Berry adds two more goals. I don't even recognize this guy, AJ. He's playing with a freedom and confidence that I didn't see in Toronto at all last season so good for him for reviving his his own status he he better himself to borrow a fred van vliet axiom and uh, so far it looks like it's paying off in a big way he signed a short-term deal and should be able to if he continues to play this way he'll hit a big ticket at the end of the year darnell nurse is also a guy who's chipped in some offense with some regularity here and uh, i find that he's still a very cheap dfs value play and uh, that might be a tip-off to where i'm going uh, in in future dates as long as he continues to roll along under the radar jesse puliarvi is another guy who's been under the radar looking a little more engaged and now up to a right wing role in the top line and this guy was a very high draft pick too not so long ago so i'm curious to see what his ceiling might be now that he's got a newfound confidence maybe a maturity is part of the development there as well yeah i mean it's hard to argue against you know what edmonton's doing uh, they they have everything and, and they're finally getting a little bit of goaltending uh, which pains me to say we you know uh, our listeners know i'm i'm not a big uh mike smith fan but he <laughs> seems to be uh performing well right now they haven't really had to deal with a ton of injuries, uh, you know, a couple of bumps and bruises here, but for the most part, they've been a relatively healthy team. Another team that's avoided uh, a lot of uh, concerns on the injury front until recently is the, the Florida Panthers. Uh, Noel Asari will miss uh, seven to 10 days with an injury, but you know, that's a bottom six guy for them. Not a huge impact. Gustav Forsling might be a, a slightly bigger impact for them after picking up an upper body injury. Um, but his, you know, his impact is not really in, in terms of fantasy. His, you know, he's more of a, a defensive guy. So uh, for, for our purposes, his absence won't impact them too much. We're starting to see some good net mining out of Sergei Bobrovsky. It's still not, uh, you know, above that 900 mark as, as you would like, especially considering that paycheck. But, Two wins and one loss in his last three contests. So that's really what ultimately matters. And then one guy who has just been 
lights out for them this year is Patrick Hornquist. He's got 12 points uh, in 13 games for them and, and seems to really be fitting in well. Six points with the amount advantage, which is where he's going to earn his paycheck most nights, being that net front pest. And you know what? We have to say they're giving the, the Tampa Lightning a bit of a scare. They've taken two out of three in head-to-head matchups most recently, and uh, they may be for real, AJ. I thought they'd take a step up in class, but I didn't think they'd ch- challenge the defending champs here. But they're neck-and-neck neck right now at the top of their division, and uh, that makes for an interesting rivalry and interesting race the rest of the way if this continues. The Los Angeles Kings are also punching a little bit above their weight most recently. One win and one overtime loss last week, and it's the Wiley veterans that are leading the the scoring, Anze Kopitar, two goals, one assist. Dustin Brown, two goals, two assists. Drew Doughty with four assists. Are we in 2021 or is it 2012, AJ? That's what I have to ask myself when I see the production <laughs> here. But uh, in other news, there's uh, support players that are doing their bit. Uh, Adrian Kempe has two has had two four-game point streaks in the last 11 games played. He emerged last year as a consistent scorer, and basically what I'm telling you is he's continued that trend early this season. Cal Peterson has earned five straight starts in goal uh, most recently, outplaying Jonathan Quick by a wide margin. I I don't think we'll see that ratio of game start splits between the two guys. It could be a win-and-you're-in situation uh, going forward, but uh, don't don't count out Jonathan Quick. He hasn't really found his game early on this season, but uh, I think that we're going to see a good stretch from him uh, in the near term. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree that, you know, I I think what they need more than anything else is is to get Andreas Athanasiu back. He's really a big driver of their offense. Now, that's not to say they're not getting anything from anybody else. Dustin Brown, uh, you know, as you mentioned, had had a really good week and and Drew Doughty, of course. But I think this team is just so much better with a player of his caliber available. Uh, Paul, you're sticking me with all the, the tough teams to talk about this week as I'll take us into the Minnesota Wild who haven't played any games uh, since February 2nd. But there's some good news around that team. They are going to get Matt Zuccarella back. Uh, he came off IR yesterday. Um, so that'll be a big one. That that was not COVID-related for him. He had that arm injury. And so, yeah, he immediately bolsters the, the top six here. Now, right now we have Zuccarella on the second line with Marcus Johansson and uh, Kirill Kaprasov. But that's all fluid. I mean, those line combinations might be a little bit more established today you know, as they continue to get guys coming back from protocols, things are just going to keep changing. So I would definitely recommend if you're going to use any of these Minnesota guys, especially if you want to take a flyer on a guy like Kaprasov or Fiala, who's maybe not quite as break the bank as, as some of the other uh, players on this team, you're going to have to check back at those line combinations, probably as close to puck drop. You know, they'll, they'll skate today and we'll update them, but they could even change when the team comes out for warmups. But uh, definitely trending in the right direction coming out of, of that COVID protocol for the Wild. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, there's not a lot to pick from in terms of the offensive depth here, in terms of DFS value, in my opinion, as well. But on defense, there's three guys that I lean on when they're healthy. And you can add Jared Spurgeon to that list because he has been out of the lineup most recently, expects to come in for the next team as well. So it's him, Dumba, and Ryan Sutter that carry the most of the offensive mail for these guys. And all three of them are viable options in DFS value play uh, for me. In terms of the uh, next club up, it's the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, they had a two-game set with the Maple Leafs that they split, with each team winning the other team's barn. 
But uh, the Canadians are, are suffering through a bit of a team-wide goal-scoring slump most recently. Look at the four centers here, AJ. Not scoring at all, in my opinion, uh, to date, even with, with the early success of the club. Six total goals from that quartet. Uh, they don't play until next Saturday in a rematch against Toronto. And so we'll see if, if they have solved any of that, those mysteries. I hope that they uh, take another day off before they do. Paul Byron's stock particularly is plummeting here. As he was placed on waivers, the guy carries a $3.4 million cap hit for the next two seasons, so I guess they would like to solve that situation. If he's not going to produce, they've got to find a way to, to move him. But uh, after a nice start, too, Way- Shea Weber has no points in his last five games played. That's a bit of an alarming thing if you're an owner of the, the veteran captain in, in Montreal. Goes hand in glove with the fact that they're not scoring as a team. Joel, Joel Armia is the only guy with an injury note on the club and that's a positive turn most recently as he returned to the lineup in his last game played. So no no current guys on the sidelines to report. So all hands on deck. I look for Montreal to rebound and find their early season groove before too long. Well, I have to wonder if the, you know, concerns about, uh, you know, moving cross borders is, is what, you know, convinced no teams to, to really snatch Paul Byron. Look, 3.4 million uh, against your cap is certainly not cheap. Um, but for a player of his caliber, I, I'm surprised that he cleared waivers. Uh, he, he, I think in a normal year where you could expect him to come in pretty quickly and join the team right away. Um, I, I would have thought maybe somebody would, would try and snag him and, and get him for free and hope that they can find the guy who put up 22 goals, 20 goals in, you know, from, you know, 2016 and, and in 2017. Uh, so I, I admit to being a little surprised that he cleared. I, I know we're in a tough cap year with, with the flat cap, but 3.4 is not outrageous there. And so I, I was a little surprised to see him make it through. Again, I'll talk about the New Jersey Devils, who haven't played any games since February 2nd. Uh, you know, for them, it's similar things. We're starting to see uh, guys coming back. Uh, you know, still, the, you know, the one guy who has really taken a while to get uh, back here is Mackenzie Blackwood. He, you know, they, the team has been off, uh, you know, their last game, January 31st. Uh, but Blackwood hasn't played since January 19th. And I doubt we're going to see him right away. It sounds like he was pretty hard hit um, from from COVID in, in terms of uh, you know, having a little bit of, of trouble breathing and stuff. So I imagine that it'll be a few more games before we even see Blackwood available for them. Um, but that you know they're getting most of the most of the guys back, um, including uh, you know Jack Hughes, Pavel Zaka down the middle, Andreas Johnson, Jasper Bratt. But again, these lines are fluid. You're going to have to check back and, and see what you know shuffles around as they get more guys coming off the COVID protocols. Yeah, I'm particularly interested in Andreas Johnson because he has some ties to Toronto uh, with the early part of his career. Two goals and one assist on uh, in nine games, but that all came in the last. That offense all came in the last four games that he played. So he was just starting to, to get comfortable in this lineup. And I look for big things from him. I think he's going to be one of the offensive catalysts going forward. Next up on our list, we're going to look at the Nashville Predators, a team that has really been noted for defensive strength in the past, but uh, it's not been there this season. Surprising for me, they went one and three last week. Rocco Grimaldi, two goals to, to lead the offense, getting 11 
or 12 minutes, I think that's not, that number is going to rise because he's one of the secondary scorers that started to produce a little bit and deserves a bit of a longer look. Dante Fabro is fitting into the mold of this defenseman development factory here. Two goals and two helpers uh, last week for him. Ryan Johansson has missed the last five games with an upper body injury. I would say he's missed all the games this season. He's not performed very well at all, AJ. But he's listed week to week, and that's a concern for this depth chart. Uh, Luke Coonan on the flip side returned to the lineup last Last week and we'll get a long look as a scoring line center in uh, Johansson's absence so I'm can be curious to see if Coonan could actually steal that role and maybe create a bit of an internal competition there to get the best out of both players going forward on the back end a troubling note Matthias Eckholm was moved on to the IR it's an undisclosed injury and it's listed uh, according to the coach's comments as a week-to-week concern so it's not something that's going to be uh, an imminent return for one of the stalwarts on the back end for the Predators. Yeah, with both of those injured guys, so Ryan Johansson, uh, he'll miss at least two more. He he is traveling with the team, but he won't play against Dallas. They had uh, last night and tonight against Dallas, so he's out those two games. Matias Ekholm isn't even making the trip, so he'll miss, I, I think it was about six games over that stretch. Their next home game is not until February 27th, um, so they, he'll he's facing a, a pretty long uh, situation away. Obviously, if he improved quicker than expected, he could travel and, and join up with the team. But uh, the fact that he didn't make the initial trip is, is certainly a concern. And look, you mentioned Dante Fabro. I believe on Tuesday in our DFS segment, I called him my toss-in guy. Uh, and that's the one game he didn't score in last week. <laughs> uh, he had a, a after Tuesday's game, which, you know, for a guy that you call the toss in, he had four shots on goal, put up 7.3 points on DraftKings. That's not terrible. But the next game, he scored a goal. The game after that, he had two helpers. So uh, apparently, I had the right guy just the wrong night <laughs> in terms of uh, Dante Fabro there. We'll look at the New York Islanders next. Uh, 2 0 and 1 during the week, uh, largely on, on the back of Jean Gabriel Pajot, who had three goals. Uh, Casey Sezikis had two goals. And that, uh, Barzell two and one. So they're, they're getting production down the middle. Um, but you know, not, not a whole lot out of guys like Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, even Jordan Everly. Um, you know, they've been out without Anthony Bolivier, who they are expecting back, I think sooner rather than later. Um, you know, Monday was, was originally, I, I had seen that that was his target to come back Monday. That didn't happen. Um, but I, I think things are trending in the right direction, and that will certainly bolster their top six. Uh, and then Simeon Varlamov continues to thrive, uh, you know, those last couple of games here. And he started five in a row. And that, that means, uh, you know, Ilya Sorokin really has been relegated to the backup role, which I'm not sure we expected. If you go back even further, uh, Sorokin has started eight of their last nine games or I'm sorry, Varlamov has started eight of their last nine games. And, and so a little surprising to see how uh, little they've been using Sorokin of late, but certainly his, his numbers to start the year have warranted him being uh, relegated to that second spot. Yeah, much hype around him all, uh, all preseason, AJ. I thought he was going to be odds-on to be at least a share of the net mining situation, but maybe he's still getting acclimatized, so don't, uh, don't throw him out. He's a good stash candidate in terms of your depth charts on uh, season-long fantasy behind a team that has a real good sound defensive structure like the Islanders. If he gets his uh, footing, he should be fine there eventually. I should mention, Paul, real quick, he, he is expected to start tonight. So he will 
get in between the pipes after barley, like I said, heavy workload of late. Okay, so we'll see maybe if the the light goes on this evening for Sorokin in a positive way uh, to get some traction on his early season. The New York Rangers, a team that, that uh, was getting some traction last year in terms of the development of some of the youngsters, they went 0-2-1 last week, and uh, let's focus on some of those youngsters. Kafo Kako, only three points so far this year. Alexi Lafreniere with only one so far, yet both are listed as second-line wingers around Ryan Strom, who's a pretty good distributor of the puck. I thought that would be a great situation for both these guys, but they're really struggling right now, and, and I don't have an answer for that, uh, AJ, quite frankly. These are two uber-skilled wingers, the youngsters, uh, really finding a tough go in the NHL right now, and uh, I guess part of it has to do with the fact they're in a very tough division as well, so uh, hopefully they get their acts together. We want to see whether they can approach the ceilings that are expected of them. Uh, certainly, I had more faith in Kako, a little more experience under his belt. Lafreniere in his first go-around the league will give him a little more rope. Yeah, in terms of the net minding, Shosturkin has far outplayed Georgiev in the nets, and that too is a bit of a surprise. I didn't think there was much of a disparity in the form charts for both these guys, but there it is. Uh, if you're if you're looking for a goalie out of the two to emerge, I'd bet on Shosturkin to continue his run. It'll be without Artemi Panarin at the other end of the ice filling the net, though, because he's dealing with a minor lower body injury, so keep an eye on that situation because he's one of the top producers when he's healthy, and if he's not, you could be blowing a lot of money on DFS of just uh, throwing darts at a board here. And you can add uh, Heatle uh, to that COVID list, another guy, youngster, who is expected to be a linchpin of this offense going forward, but uh, in addition to his upper body injury, he's expected to miss a couple of weeks, and that's going to hurt his development in the near term for sure. Yeah, Paul, plenty of guys struggling for, for offense here uh, last week. You know, you, you mentioned a couple. I'll throw in Keandre Miller, no points. Pavel Buchnevich, no points. I mean, really, Chris Kreider, nothing. Um, Mika Zibinijad, nothing. I mean, there's clearly a theme here. The, the top six is, is not producing right now, uh, and that's why they didn't win any games last week. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. If, if your only goals are coming from Kevin Rooney, and Julian Gauthier, uh, it's it's not going to work out too well for you. Now that's uh, that's a pretty good line, you know. Brendan Lemieux two assists in that stretch too, so uh, that's a uh, one positive. If you want to find it, that you're getting some depth production, but that's only a positive when you're getting production out of the top guys. Uh, in Ottawa, we've seen a little bit more of Marcus Hogberg lately after Matt Murray picked up an injury. Hogberg has uh, wins in back-to-back games, so maybe he can play his way into a little bit heavier uh, uh, workload here. Now, of course, that win, uh, talking about last night, he did give up five goals in that one, so obviously not the best performance, uh, but uh, good enough to get the win, and, and that's really what you're, what you're asking for. You have to wonder, Paul, with, with how that game went, uh, you almost wonder if Murray had been available, if they would have pulled Hogberg early on you know it, it, most of his struggles came early in the game so uh you have to wonder if maybe that kind of benefited them now i mentioned the addition of ryan uh, zingo off the top i think the one concern about that is we saw how long it took pierre luc dubois to get into the lineup uh based on you know covid protocols and everything entering canada uh from the u.s so you have to assume ryan zingle is going to face a full 14-day quarantine and that's certainly a big chunk of games that he'll miss over that stretch. So don't really expect to see him until March, unless something changes in terms of, you know, what the the local health authorities will allow there. 
Yeah, good call, AJ. The Flyers, you, you didn't get all the teams that, that were blanked last week in terms of the game to action. The <laughs> Flyers are another one. So they re- expected to resume on Thursday of this week. I want to take some time to look at the goalie stats. Uh, uh, Brian Elliott's far outplayed Connor Hart, uh, Carter Hart, and I don't think there's anybody uh, who was an NHL pundit who would have seen this, but, but it's by a wide margin too. That wasn't expected. But in the long run, AJ, that's probably a bonus for this club because we expect Hart to find his game and, and get back to the level he played with uh, last year. I don't expect the trend to continue for Elliott either, so they could meet somewhere in the middle. In terms of other no- notable players for me, watching Shane Gostas bear uh, two shots on goal per game, he's up that uh, over the last season, and he's a plus four on the season as well. So th- those numbers both well for a guy who's hoping to recapture the career trajectory that he had a couple of seasons ago it's been in the doldrums since then and not a viable option in season long play in that term up front scott lawton is a guy that doesn't get the the same publicity as a lot of other name recognition types here but look at the numbers nine points in 13 games played a very good sneaky dfs value guy for me when you compare him in a, a bit of a philadelphia stack uh, these the, the way this team is playing uh, one of the best teams in this division yeah, I won't add much to that. As you said, no games last week. So I'll talk about former Philadelphia Flyer, uh, uh, Ron Hextall, who has got two wins in, in two games, uh, running the GM show along with Brian Burke uh, as the, the Pittsburgh's new front office hires. Uh, good start for them, obviously. Uh, I think what's interesting is, you know, the, the goalie situation in Pittsburgh, we have to talk about the fact that Tristan Jari hasn't really been stellar of late, um, not nearly the caliber of player he was last year. And that's seen Casey DeSmith get more opportunities. And by all accounts, DeSmith was going to start uh, Sunday's game against the Capitals before coming down with a non-COVID illness. Uh, so Tristan Jari kind of uh, thrust into action uh, as a result. You know, I, I think the most interesting thing about this is because of those kind of struggles, I've seen uh, not only Marc-Andre Fleury, who will always be linked to Pittsburgh, right? At any time, it's like, oh, there's goalie problems in Pittsburgh. Could they get Fleury to come back? <laughs> I imagine even after retirement that that conversation will still happen. <laughs> you know, oh, could they convince Fleury to unretire? Um, but they also were linked to uh, Pittsburgh native John Gibson this week as a potential, uh, you know, target for the team to bring in a more veteran established presence on, on the, the goal line. So it'll be interesting to watch what Brian Burke and Ron Hextall do. Obviously Jari and DeSmith are not their guys. Um, and so a lot of times you see some shake up there. AJ, I think we can spend a minute more, minute or two more on the Penguins because of this shakeup. Oh, if you insist. In in the front office, I'm curious to pick your brain about the direction you think they're going to take because let's let's look at the contract situation of a couple of the star players, Malkin and Latang. Their contracts expire at the end of next year, I believe, AJ, and not beyond, not too far beyond that, Sidney Crosby as well. And uh, there has been a lot of noise about Sidney Crosby, particularly. Uh, north of the border, AJ, that I'll share with you, that he's had uh, apparently, well, we know he has a strong friendship with Nate McKinnon, and he would like another run at a cup if it doesn't have it in Pittsburgh. Uh, Is there any talk about shuffling the the deck uh, in terms of some of the real key leaders on this club? I mean, the window of opportunity to get a cup in in Pittsburgh seems to me uh, the end of next season is, is kind of a deadline here before they start to really make some key decisions. What are your thoughts and what's been shared so far locally? Well, here's the deal. I, 
I think anybody that would even walk into Mario Lemieux's office and say, Hey, I, I, you know, set up a trade to send Sidney Crosby out. I think you'd be fired on the spot. <laughs> that has been the clearest situation. Um, Mario Lemieux has by all accounts, uh, expressed disappointment, frustration on how things were handled with his, uh, you know, number two guy, Yarmir Yager. And so to that end, he ha- will do and has committed to doing everything he can that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin finish their careers in Pittsburgh. By all accounts, Malkin is after this deal looking for a three-year contract with the team that will set him up to be there for the same duration of Sidney Crosby's current contract. And then that will reportedly be it for Malkin. Now, whether that's the end of the line for Crosby remains to be seen, but I don't foresee a situation in which he would not be back uh, in Pittsburgh. You know, I, I'm not imagining we're going to see a Tom Brady-esque move to a, you know, to Colorado. I will admit that Colorado probably makes more sense than anywhere else because of that friendship with Nate McKinnon. But we're talking about five years from now in, in terms of that. The one guy that is not uh, linked in, in, you know, for that future is Chris Letang. Uh, reportedly, uh, the, uh, he, they would have to get approval from uh, Lemieux on gracefully handling a trade and an exit and everything, but it's not off the table that Lemieux could be traded. And so I, I fully expect him to not finish out that contract next year. I'd be surprised if it happened this year. Look, 7.25 is a lot to eat mid-season, plus you have travel restrictions and all that. So I imagine Latang finishes out this year. But over the summer, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see something in the works and to see him shipped out. All right, AJ, uh, give you your platform. Let's get back into the groove here uh, and the rest of the club. San Jose was 1-2 and two last week, and they won last night as well, so they're on a bit of a better streak than they were in the early part of the season. Hurdle has been a leader offensively uh, most recently. He snapped a five-game goalless drought uh, with three goals last week. Uh, surprising contributor uh, to the whole mix is Nikolai Knisov, an undrafted Russian defenseman, Russian uh, defenseman from the KHL, Two assists last week and gaining confidence with more consistent playing time. He's been afforded that opportunity because they just can't trust Eric Carlson. It seems that the veteran's off to yet another poor start. The plus minus is ugly and now he may be sidelined with a lower body injury. Uh, Devin Dubnik has a lower body injury too. And uh, Marty Jones has allowed at least three goals in each of his last six starts before last night. So uh, it was a bit of a uh, blip last night to see that total lower than usual. But... uh, there are still some concerns on the defensive side of the puck here in San Jose. Well, yeah, fortunately for them, they did get Dubnik back as, as the backup last night. So I would expect we're going to see them splitting the workload, uh, him and Marty Jones, the the rest of the way. Uh, And, you know, Jones has been uh, unreliable at best, as you mentioned, and and was called out by the coach after giving up uh, those six goals uh, to the Kings on, on February 11th there. Uh, basically said it's it's not good enough. It's not up to our standards. Um, so, you know, there, I think there's an opening for Dubnik to even potentially take over uh, full time as, as the number one uh, a little bit more heavily if he can, you know, come off this injury in, in positive form. Uh, in St. Louis, uh, the, you know, the injury concerns are, are starting to pile up a little bit here. You know, some of it started as as more depth guys when you have 
you know, Marco Scandella out, but then Tory Krug picks up an injury. Jaden Schwartz is, is been unavailable. Uh, Sammy Blay, uh, obviously Robert Thomas has been out for a little while. So it, it is starting to become a concern. Now, uh, they've had a decent production out of the guys that are filling in those top six, talking about Ivan Barbashev, uh, you know, two goals, Ryan O'Reilly is producing David Perron as, as well. And so uh, fortunately for them, those guys are stepping up, but Mike Hoffman, who I think they wanted ideally to drive a third scoring line is now being forced into a top six because of all these injuries and absences. And that's certainly a concern for them. Fortunately, they can rely uh, if they don't have the offense, they can rely on Jordan Bennington uh, on the back end as he continues to put up solid numbers. You look at his last three games. Yes, a 1-1-1 and record, not exactly stellar, but a 1.65 goals against average. So about what you can ask out of him, and, and you're going to need uh, that offense to really carry it from there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Bennington and the Nets, AJ. Toward the latter part of last season, he was starting to struggle a little bit, but I think he's back on top of his game and playing to an expected level. So anybody that had concerns at the end of this last season should feel good about the youngsters start to a third NHL campaign. Not, not bad. The guy's got a Stanley Cup ring so early on. I'm pumping the tires of a local product here, AJ. Let me know. <laughs> uh, the Tampa Lightning, this is a team that doesn't need anybody pumping their tires. But as I said, they have a pursuer in Florida uh, to with the Panthers. Their offense, look at the numbers. It's the same guys doing it. Palat with five points. Point with six points. Hedman with five. Sergachev even with five. And Stankos with four last week. So the offense is humming along. Even a youngster, Matthew Joseph, making a bit of a case for himself in the top six, picking up three goals and one assist. And Tyler Johnson, a guy that was cast away on the waiver wire, has resumed his key role in the lineup now at second-line center because of the fact that Sorelli is expected to miss a couple of weeks with an upper body injury. That's a bit of bad news for the club. Vasilevsky started and excelled in 12 of 13 games this team has played to date, and uh, he actually uh, can't be expected to play at that rate going forward. So I, I expect to see McElhaney getting a few more starts going forward and uh, maybe get, get the veteran a bit of a rest because it looks like he's getting a little tired uh, in the last couple of starts. I don't know how much rest they're going to want to give Vasilevsky when you look at what happened last night. Yeah. Uh, Mac- <laughs> McElhenney, six goals allowed on 21 shots. Not exactly a banner performance by exactly. him. But look, yeah. the the biggest concern for the rest of the league here, you know, you mentioned the Panthers are, are working on tracking them down. Last night's win certainly helps. Um, but they're doing all this without Nikita Kucherov, who by all counts, while he'll miss the regular season, they were very clear in that, that he would miss the regular season. Can you imagine Pan, uh, Tampa winning this division and then heading into the playoffs, adding Nikita Kucherov? Like, that's just going to be unfair, to be totally <laughs> honest with you. Um, you know, that's, that's just not right. Uh, I'll, I'll take the lead here on, on your Maple Leafs, but I'll, I'll certainly let you talk although maybe you don't really want to talk about them after what happened last night. Uh, that would be understandable. Uh, in terms of the, the offensive guys, you know, Austin Matthews continues to just roll over everybody right now. Um, you know, I, I think a candidate for, you know, certainly a candidate for the heart, heart uh, trophy, an argument could be made there, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. Um, you know, a little bit of uh, disappointment if you want to find it in Tavares not having any goals in his last four games, but three assists over that stretch. So, you know, what are you complaining about really there? 
And then Jumbo Joe comes back from injury, gets a goal and an assist and really turning back the clock in a, in a top six role for them. Yeah, I think you're going to start to hear more concerns about Willie Nylander. He's dragged down uh, that second line and looks like he's just figure skating out there, not involved in the play much lately. And that's reflected in both his lack of goal scoring and Tavares of late. Uh, they need somebody to help drive that line. And I think it was a key move to put Hyman back on that unit with Jumbo Joe going back to the top three. It was crazy the way that uh, that uh, top line was just dangling the puck though last night in the early part of that game. I thought they were going to score 10 goals against Ottawa the way it started out. But, uh, of course, it turned into another ugly loss in a pantheon uh, that goes along with a couple of five-goal uh, comebacks that the Leafs have seeded in times that I've been watching them over a long a long number of years but uh, try to file that one away it goes up there with the Zamboni driver of last year uh, loss and a couple <laughs> other historical blowout losses uh, as well but uh, there's been more good news than bad when I look at the standings they're still number one overall so I'm happy with that the Vancouver Canucks one and two uh, was the record last week they snapped a five game skid all on the road when they came home on Saturday to beat Calgary so that was a a boon for them because the local media has been all over this club. I know people are excited on the positive side with Quinn Hughes' offense. He leads all defensemen with 18 points, but he gives most of that back with an ugly minus 12, though, doesn't he? Uh, Bo Horvat uh, holding down the number two center role as the captain of this, this club, only two points in his last 10 games played. I mean, people were talking about Elias Pettersson and his lack of scoring. Well, at least he's off the schneid with 10 points in his last 10 games played. The first line is humming while the second one is struggling. This team gives up more shots on goal than any other in the league except the Hawks, and neither Holtby or Demko has been very much... Uh, positive to say about either one of them so far this season unless they get the defensive side of this team righted it doesn't matter who's scoring up front yeah I'm really surprised uh, how disappointing both Hopi and, and Demko have been this season you know I thought this could potentially be one of the top uh, goalie tandems in the league you've got an established cup winning veteran coming in to really tutor the the heir apparent who has you know a pretty good pedigree um, based on, on previous work. And so I, I expected a lot more out of this goalie tandem. You mentioned that some of it is the defensive problems, uh, and certainly that that is to blame. But I would expect, you know, a, a guy like Braden Hopi should be better. There's there's no argument in my mind that, that he should be better. Speaking of a guy who has been significantly better, uh, when we talk about Vegas, we have to talk about Marc-Andre Fleury. Robin Leonard has been unavailable for them. And so they've relied heavily on Flurry, including having him take both ends of a back-to-back over the weekend. You'd expect maybe a drop in production in that second game when you consider not only going for a second straight night, but going up against Colorado and their offensive firepower. Well, he stops all 30, shut, uh, 30 shots for, for a shutout. Look, this guy continues to just climb the ladder here in terms of the all-time wins. Uh, needs 11 more to pass at Belfort. 16 more wins to move into third uh, with Roberto Luongo. I would not be surprised to see him uh, get there. And right now, if you look at the most recent odds, Marc-Andre Fleury leading the way as potential Vesna trophy winner uh, in terms of Vegas odds. So uh, I don't know what they do when they get Leonard back. You have a, a, a world-class goalie playing at an elite level. Do you really risk messing with that by giving Robin Leonard starts? Now, I know you've committed to Leonard for the future. 
Um, but technically, he's the less paid of the two guys <laughs> when you consider he's making $2 million a year less than Flurry. So uh, it's going to be a tough choice for, for uh, Pete DeBoer here. Uh, I know what I would do. Paul, what would you do in this goalie tandem? Uh, you got to win and you stay in. I think you got two guys that you can really trust, and, and uh, nobody's hotter right now than Marc Andre Fleury. So you hand him the reins and say, okay, veteran uh, star, go ahead and continue to do your thing. When you get tired, we'll put in Leonard, and then Leonard's going to have his run too. So I don't think you need to alternate these goalies unless the schedule dictates it. Go with the hot hand, is what I would say. And in terms of the, uh, I want to also say a nod to the center ice situation here, which I thought was a bit of a concern at the start of the season. We've seen a steady development and improvement in Chandler Stevenson, who's looking for all the world like a very good option as the number one center, but playing with Mark Stone and Max Petretti has certainly helped. Nonetheless, uh, Stevenson remains a good DFS value play uh, at the moment, and you can almost make the same case for Cody Glass. I thought we'd, we'd see some a shot for him to uh, accept accelerate his development here and that's happening he picked up three assists last week too and uh, is holding down the third line center role and really stretching the offense of this roster as he combines with Alex Tuck and Keegan Colasar on that third third line in Vegas I think this is still one of the powers in the league and the depth at center is a big reason why in Washington they were limited to only one game last week it was a loss and uh, so we haven't got much to talk about this team but a couple of other observations that I'll make is the Dano Chara continues to do the Dano Chara things and really settling down the defensive structure here. Formed a really nice partnership with Justin Schultz. The veteran pairing has helped Schultz rediscover a bit of an offensive side to his game. Seven points in nine games played. You didn't see that in any of, of his time in Pittsburgh, did you, AJ? I don't, I don't think so. I see you shaking your head. And meanwhile, Tom Wilson still proving to be the NHL's unicorn, one of the top tough guys in the league is playing at better than a point per game pace and a really good DFS value play as long as he continues to have that role I think he's a lock for it and he will be in my lineup tonight I'll, te- I'll tease that another bit of good news Ilya Samsonov is out of the COVID protocol but instead of putting him right into the lineup they want to give him a stint in the AHL before he starts an NHL game so it's Vanacek who's going to continue to start with Craig Anderson in goal as his backup yeah, I think the one kind of concern uh, for this team is in, in their couple matchups with the Penguins, uh, they've honestly just looked slow. And they've gotten to the third period, and, and the team looks kind of gassed. Um, you know, Carl Hagelin is probably the fastest player on this group, and, and he's certainly on the back half of his career and, and seems to have lost his step. That's not to say that they can't win games and you know continue to do well. I'm not, I'm not saying it's gloom and doom for them. I just think matchups against faster skill teams are, are going to be hard for them this season. And it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the, the Pittsburgh-Washington series goes this year um, because they, they have been just that much faster. Uh, and, and I think this could cause problems with other teams like the, the Rangers are another kind of fast team in, in that division that, that could give them uh, some fits. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to make the playoffs. They're certainly a top team. Um, but it's something to watch. That's that's for sure. I'll round us out with a look at the Winnipeg Jets. You know, as expected, Connor Hellybuck continues to just take all of the net mining duties here. Played in all four of their games, went two and two over that stretch with a point nine two four save percentage. There, uh, they're they're starting to you know move things around. They had Pierre Luc Dubois in for a little bit, then he suffered a lower body injury that has kept him out two more games. So really hasn't had a chance to fit in with this team yet. Um, And that's definitely a concern. But when you have 
guys like Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, who are back together again. You know, they broke him up briefly to try that three-line experiment, but without Dubois at third center, I don't see any reason to split those guys up, and so it makes sense to put them back together on that top line. Yeah, you know what? I've been saying for weeks now, I think we know who's going to challenge the Leafs and Canadians for a top spot in this division. I think it's this team right here. They've got a wealth of options offensively, and I love the, the depth on, on the defense a lot more than they did earlier in the season, AJ. That's looking to me like a lot more solid group. And, of course, they got the defending Vezina goal, uh, winning goalie in the Nets there. So a lot to like about this team, and uh, they'll be a tough out game in, game out. That takes us through the wrap, the wrap of the NHL teams, and it wraps uh, up this episode of podcast. Thanks for listening to us, gang. Uh, Rotowire Signature Hockey Podcast, Statsman with Statsman and AJ, with the support of our sponsors at Owners Box. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman twenty two, and you can follow AJ at AJ Schultz twenty four. Don't forget, you can watch this pod on YouTube at Rotowire Wire Hockey. And as always, we invite you to hang on and. Uh, Look for our DFS uh, segment, which is coming up shortly. And uh, don't forget to send us your questions and comments. Stay uh, in touch to get your uh, tips to stay out of the competition in our fantasy hockey planning and research. All right, so we'll take a break. We'll be back shortly with the DFS segment, folks. Hey, DFS fans, we haven't forgotten about you. AJ and I. Paul Bruno, the Statsman, are back with you in your daily fantasy sports picks with our thoughts ahead of tonight's schedule. And there was a late breaking bit of news this morning in terms of a schedule cancellation. So uh, we're going to ignore the Nashville-Dallas game. And that means uh, a shorter list of games to look at. AJ, what's your uh, biggest attraction in terms of tonight's schedule of action? Yeah, so I I think for me, I always like to look at the odds and try and pick players on on heavily uh, favored teams I, I think that's uh, kind of the best starting point um, when when you're trying to figure that out now obviously uh, the stars were about minus 160 165 tonight against the predators they were the biggest favors uh, favorites but with that game being called off I you know had to kind of shuffle around and, and look elsewhere and really uh, the biggest thing I'm noticing is that the only game with an over under above uh, five and a half is the Capitals Penguins game. So I'm going to use four guys from that game on both sides of the lineup uh, and both uh, first line combos. So I'm going to start with uh, Nick Backstrom. Uh, He will be, uh, you know, 6,700 on DraftKings tonight. And I'll use him paired up as much as I hate myself for doing this as, as a Penguins fan, I'm going to pair him up with Tom Wilson. Uh, Wilson's only 4,900. Uh, so he's cost controlled. He's been really productive and look, these teams don't really care for each other and they're both be amped up on the other side of the matchup. I'm going to use Sidney Crosby at 6,400 and Brian rust at 6,600 rust has been uh, arguably the best player for the penguins all season long. He's the one guy that, you know, continually just shoots the puck constantly. He's worked his way into the number one power play unit. Um, so he works, you know, really well for me there. In, in terms of the biggest uh, favorite with that one game off the board, you have to look at the New York Rangers, who are currently sitting about minus 140 favorites against uh, a New Jersey team that hasn't played in a couple weeks. So I'm picking a number of players from that team. And it starts with their, their young wingers who are set to play on the same line with Artemi Panarin out. And that's Capo Caco at 3,200 and uh, Alexis Lafreniere at 3,000. 
really a steal to get those two caliber players for a combined 6,200 on, on DraftKings tonight. I'll continue on defense with Adam Fox at 5,700. He's their top power play quarterback. The one uh, guy not coming from the Rangers or the Washington Pittsburgh matchup that I have tonight is Devin Taves at 5,300 for Colorado. He's a, you know, a top power play guy for them as well. Gets opportunities to play with their real stars. And then between the nets, I do go back to the Rangers and use Igor Shesterkin tonight. Uh, with the other game being canceled, he is the most expensive net miner on the board tonight. Um, but 8,200, I think I could build up a decent enough lineup the rest of the way um, to get him in there. So that's how things shook out for me on DraftKings. Paul, what about you over on FanDuel? Well, I heard what you said about the Washington Capitals, and I dismissed it, AJ, because I think you were speaking it from your heart instead of your head a little bit. Let us let's let me just take a shot that way, because you got a couple of shots against me with the Maple Leafs struggles last night, an epic loss <laughs> that I'm trying to forget here, and I might be driven to a couple of cans of some liquid beverage after this show to try and help me forget that. But uh, in any case i got a bit of a grab bag i, I kind of did a bit of a stack with washington and a mini stack with vegas in their matchup because colorado's got issues with the covid and uh, in a in a matchup that's a key one for both clubs i think the home side will be amped up to take advantage of a, a rather limited colorado team and then i'm throwing in off the top jack eichel for the sabers he's finally going to get a chance to play i think he's going to be excited to finally hit the ice again and i think the price point is is pretty cheap when you consider it's seventy six hundred dollars for one of the top players in the game but maybe it's mitigated by the fact that the editors play such a great defensive structure sabers do have home ice so and i'm expecting that they're going to do what they can to keep him away from the top checkers of the opposition so he can have a big night on the home pond nicholas backstrom is my other center of course i had to keep an eye on who's playing with ovechkin these days and it looks like backstrom gets the nod and i find that a cheap value at sixty five hundred dollars to have that situation in place offensively at the center position then on the wing i start with the two vegas wingers on the top line in fact all my forwards are first line players patch and stone both make my lineup at seventy eight hundred and seventy five hundred dollars respectively they're both off to great offensive starts and i think that they have an edge over over that weekend Colorado team tonight as well. In terms of the defensive structure of this lineup, Matt Dumba and Justin Schultz, both uh, top uh, players in that regard for their respective clubs. Schultz, a bit of a surprise, though, with the fact that he's contributing almost a point a game pace over the last eight or nine games that he's played. Matt Dumba, always a linchpin of the offense from Minnesota on the back end and their power play, averaging almost 11 points in DFS value play on a daily basis, and uh, only $4,000 for him, only $4,200 for Schultz, keeping with my trend to keep my costs low on the defense. And then I round out the squad with Joel Erickson Eck, who gets a bit of a soft touch playing in Los Angeles tonight. He's off to a, a good start with nine points in the early season and 11 games played. $5,100 for a guy who's a top-line forward. I'll do that every chance I get. And then uh, Tom Wilson, the league's unicorn, as I call him. If he's good enough for you, AJ, he's certainly good enough for me in this <laughs> matchup. And then I agree with you in terms of the goalie pick. We're looking at the fact that New Jersey, not one of the more potent offenses in the league, and the Rangers can play a bit of a, a solid defensive game. And I think Shesterkin's been a solid player for them all season long, so I'll take that seventy. $300 value and hope that I hit in the winner's circle as you expect to do as well. AJ, that wraps up another week of looking at the things around the NHL. Do you have any final thoughts before we go off the air? No, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, we haven't, 
fingers crossed the the COVID cancellations have dipped off uh, from last week. So that seems to be trending in the right direction. And, you know, it's always uh, a hassle when you're building lineups and then games get canceled. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can have uh, just our regular schedule uh, action going forward. I'd love that too, partner. We wish all our listeners good luck with your picks. Join us again next Tuesday for the following episode of podcast with Statsman and AJ. Don't forget to look at look for us on YouTube at Rotowire Hockey. So long, everybody. 